how can organizations put together effective breach response teams without reinventing the wheel? Ken Schrader, who serves as the Vice President of Business Continuity for Southeast Corporate Federal Credit Union, says it's easier than most institutions and businesses think. By incorporating breach response into existing business continuity strategies, organizations can save themselves not only time, but also money. Ken, as a certified business continuity professional, what would you say are the top three to five areas financial institutions and organizations generally typically miss the mark on when it comes to breach response planning? Well, I, I think the biggest thing they miss is is they try and treat it in a stovepipe. Uh, a breach response is a disaster, and, and you've already got uh, disaster management built into your business continuity plan. Um, it may be built stronger than most organizations have it, but the mechanics are there. So you don't need to put together a new team to manage the crisis. The second thing that I think that happens is they never exercise it. They, they, they're playing ostrich, and they say it's never going to happen to us. And then when it does happen, they find themselves ill-equipped. The third thing that I think is the biggest problem is organizations don't plan for crisis response from an overall perspective, from a, a systemic pers perspective. They look at each response, and they try and deal with it individually. The biggest thing that I find as a professional uh, is that there is a a methodology for managing a crisis, uh, and and it's it comes from the uh, National Fire Protection Association document 1600, uh, which was originally published in uh, I think 95, uh, and it was titled Recommended Practice for Disaster Management. And what it does is it creates a framework to make sure that the nine critical functional areas are taken care of to control the environment of a crisis so that then the subject matter experts can take care of doing what they need to do to fix it. If it's business continuity, uh, recovering uh, IT infrastructure, or managing uh, a, a threat to uh, a threat to your reputation through communication systems, whatever that happens to be. But you've got to manage the crisis first before you can worry about your response. Why do so many organizations fail to incorporate breach response into their existing business continuity plans and strategies? Why do they think about them in different ways? I think one of the big reasons is it falls into the too-tough-to-handle area. Um, they can't envision how it's going to hit them, and when it does hit them, it's got them by surprise because because it may be in a response to something that they had absolutely no control over. A breach, a breach of data could involve their data that's hosted someplace else. So it doesn't necessarily happen to them directly. You know, they may say, well, you know, our IT is all outsourced, so we don't have to worry about uh, as much about the uh, intrusion of our own network. And yet an intrusion in their network may turn right around and get back to their core that's hosted someplace else. And, and unless you've got somebody that's, that's in the information security world that can look at that picture, um, I think they just, I, I think it's an ostrich in the sand, quite honestly. And when they do get somebody, the, the biggest thing that they do is they don't incorporate it. It's, it's treated as a stovepipe. It's one person who knows info security, and so he's going to try and build the whole world around what he knows, in, including, including that response plan, instead of integrating it into that business continuity plan. 
So, Ken, what steps has Southeast Corporate Federal Credit Union taken to incorporate breach response and business continuity? How has your institution's approach differed from what you would say the norm is? Well, what, what I did is I went actually to our uh, information security specialist, and he and I sat down and talked, and we actually built an exercise that involved a data breach, uh, and then we used the business continuity um, the business continuity crisis management function, that, that structure that I was talking about, to manage and, and attack that breach uh, to figure out what to do with it and all of the things that go on with a data breach. Uh, the things like uh, managing the IT portions carefully so you don't have people going in and browsing logs and, and contaminating evidence. Uh, so by taking the time, taking a few minutes uh, with the crisis management team to say, okay, what's happened around us? What do we need to do? How do we, what do we need to safeguard? How do we go about doing that? Who else do we need to bring in? Who do we need to exclude from the team? Because you're dealing with a need to know issue in a lot of cases. Uh, and we actually ran an exercise against it and learned quite a few things. Uh, the, the things that, that happened that we hadn't expected, the things that, that, that he as an information security person was expecting, uh, and nobody else had thought of, and it gave it gave it a chance to communicate all of those issues uh, as as the exercise developed. Uh, it was a great exercise, and, and it was kind of fun putting it together, quite honestly. So, Ken, what would you say other banking institutions could learn from your example? Well, I think I think they need to look at crisis management as a holistic issue. Um, I, I mentioned the NFPA 1600. It's one of the standards that's used uh, by the Department of Homeland Security in their private sector preparation, PS prep. Uh, they picked three standards and, and uh, suggested that people build resiliency plans against those standards. And the NFPA 1600 is just one of them. Uh, I tend to like it because it's the basis for uh, what Homeland Security does, it's the basis of what your local county and sheriffs and police departments use so that when you're talking to them, you're dealing with, with a common set of terminology. Um, I, I think what I want to do is, is take a couple of seconds and talk about the nine critical functional areas because if you don't understand those, you'll what happens, and, and, let me j jump back. The biggest problem I had in putting ours together was to get the members of the team to stop thinking about their department's response to the crisis as opposed to putting their hats on saying, we are a crisis management team, we're going to manage the crisis, and once we've got it managed, then our people who are all trained can go do their jobs. Those nine functional areas, and I'll, I'll hit them real quickly, is first of all, you've got to have an incident commander. You've got to have somebody who is in charge of managing the incident. Uh, for example, for uh, Katrina, it was General Honore. But you have to have somebody who is in charge. The second you have to have is a safety officer. And, and the reason you have a safety officer is you don't want to ever put people in harm's way. The first critical area, the first and top priority of any crisis is is life safety and, and the health and welfare of your people. Uh, next is public information. Uh, people get this. They they understand, you know, we've got to we've got to communicate to our staff, we've got to communicate to our stakeholders, uh, in, in the case of a credit union your membership. Uh, and we've got to we've got to manage the media. 
managing the media is the one that people have trouble with the most. They, they'll tell their people, don't talk to the media, tell them they got to come see uh, uh, public affairs. Well, you're always going to have somebody, when the camera is shoved in their face and the microphone to the front, uh, and, and some cute moderator there is going to spill his guts for his couple of minutes on the 10 o'clock news. Managing public information is absolutely critical. Managing the media is critical. Uh, compare, for example, the way, the way Bristol Myers, I think it was Bristol Myers, handled Tylenol and the incidents with the tampering of the Tylenol back uh, uh, a good number of years ago and compare that with uh, uh, BP and the disastrous uh, management of the media uh, with the Deepwater Horizon. I think you can see an absolute contrast there. Uh, next is a liaison officer. When you have an incident in your building and you dial 911, as soon as the the uh, emergency responders show up, you don't own your building anymore. The keys to that building now belong to that on-scene commander, and you don't go back in your building until he turns the keys back over to you. So it's, cr it's critical that your incident response team has a liaison with that on-scene commander so that you know what they're expecting of you, and they know what you're expecting of them. Uh, next is intelligence, and, and intelligence is asking the question, what has happened? What is the incident? What are the details about the incident? What do we know about it? What facts can we gather? Uh, in, the, in, the, in the case of a breach, um, if you need to handle it very carefully because just gathering information about the breach itself can contaminate the evidence. And so you want to take the time to manage that first so that you don't contaminate that evidence. Uh, next is finance and admin. A data breach is not cheap, and you better start early setting aside the funds and earmarking the funds on how you're going to, how you're going to manage it. Uh, and so you've got to have somebody, somebody with a purse strings as part of that incident command team. Logistics. Uh, logistics becomes very, very important. Uh, in a data breach, you need to have a room where you can secure papers. You need to have an area where you can secure evidence. Uh, you need to have a place where the team can meet. If the team is meeting around the clock, you need to get things like, you know, donuts and coffee and meals and all of those kinds of things. Uh, operations is the next section. And operations is what is that incident, what are the instructions that at, that incident command team is telling the staff to do? For example, the instructions might be, you know, IT, shut down that server and don't let anybody touch it, or shut down that that storage device, don't let anybody touch it until you can figure out how you're going to get to get to the logs and check what is this, what was the source, how did they get in, uh, what damage do they actually do? And the final section is planning. And, and we talked a little earlier about having plans. You have a plan for business continuity. You have a plan for crisis management. You have a plan for breach response. You have a crisis communications plan. And the planning section within the incident command system is deciding what parts of that plan are you going to implement in what order and, and to what degree. And that planning section then leads to the daily operations order that that operations chief is putting out to his staff. That's a, a quick overview. Um, the Department of Homeland Security has free courses you can take that talk a little bit more about that. Um, if you attend uh, disaster recovery type conferences such as the Disaster Recovery Journal Conference in Orlando and in uh, um, San Diego, which is held uh, in each place once a year, 
there's there's classes and and seminars that you can take that cover that to a lot more detail. These different nine primary functions would apply to any industry or any organization, but do you see specific challenges unique to specific industries such as financial or healthcare? Well, healthcare runs into some issues with, uh, you know, obviously all the HIPAA rules. If you've got a data breach and you've you've released medical information about people, you can stand to have uh, uh, some pretty serious lawsuits facing you or fines from the federal government. Uh, in financial institutions, again, the same thing. It's a data breach and and. Uh, there are, are obviously some specific fines that have come down to organizations because of, because of faults that they've had and liabilities that they've had within the way that they have managed the security of their data. Uh, so both of those industries are critical. If you're having, um, a manufacturing, for example, uh, I can see issues with that because you may lose the confidence of your customers. If you're supplying widgets to some company that's integrating widgets into their machine that they sell, and they lose confidence in you because of a data breach, a loss of, uh, a breach of, uh, um, uh, through corporate, corporate espionage or, or however that that data is lost, your customers may turn to alternate alternate suppliers and you'll lose business. So it really is a business continuity issue and not just a disaster management issue. And then, Ken, before we close, what advice would you offer to institutions and organizations that are working to integrate breach response into their business continuity plans? What would you say are the top five areas they should consider? Well, first of all, uh, you need a holistic approach to managing crises. Uh, that a team that is your incident command team, those people aren't subject, don't have to be subject matter experts. They need to practice managing those nine functional areas and then exercise them. And the exercises can be uh, simple tabletop exercises to actually full-blown uh, take the server off, provide to, provide security for the server, get somebody in who can go in and find out who touched the logs when. Uh, so you can you can vary vary your your exercises to cover multiple areas at the same time. I, I'll give you a, a real world event. Um, I was in one organization and we had a practice fire drill. Uh, four stories on the building, all evacuated out to the parking lot, and people are counting the heads and doing all the things that they're supposed to do and reporting, and people are wearing their, their, their colored hard hats and all that good stuff. And we got in and found out that during the time frame we were out, somebody hacked the website. So, you know, did somebody know about that ahead of time, or was that purely coincidence? I think our final conclusion, it was it was purely coincidence. But there's no reason your exercise can't encompass something like that. It's not necessarily an individual crisis. It's kind of like it's kind of like disasters. You know, a lot of people say disasters occur in threes. Uh, well, in most disasters, there's never any one singular cause. And making your your exercise scenarios complex enough to involve more people in the resolution of the crisis and more importantly than that, looking holistically at your organization to say, how can we make it better? Getting the boss involved. One of the biggest problems the business continuity world has um, and the data breach management people have is getting the bosses involved and understanding and getting their support before the incident occurs. 
Everybody's all for it afterwards, but unfortunately, most organizations treat business continuity, they treat data breach, they treat all of these these crisis functions as compliance issues as opposed to part of the overall business management. We do it because we have to do it. So, you know, they pat somebody on the shoulder and say, you're now the business continuity guy, go do it and and brush them off into the corner. Uh, It takes a lot of management involvement in order to have a good, successful, holistic program. I want to thank you again for your time today. Well, I I appreciate it, Tracy, and and I'd like to pass on to everybody who's listening an an old adage that that I've carried around with me for a long time, and that is maintain a rigid state of flexibility. Again, we've just heard from Ken Schrader of Southeast Corporate Federal Credit Union. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.